0: Welcome, and thank you for joining us at Gallery Church Downtown. Our gathering is about to begin. Please say hello in the comments, or connect with us through email at connect at gcbdowntown.com. Take a minute to grab your Bible, and open the notes section in our church app to follow along during the teaching.
1: You will also need to have your communion supplies ready for the end of the gathering. One more thing I wanted to do before we go into worship is going to be the generosity prayer. As you consider, um, and if you come prepared to give today, that would be just a great introduction to um, why we give and ultimately... um, that it's part of our worship as well. It's not just giving and just generosity. So there will be words on the screen, um, as part of this prayer. So if you want to read aloud along with me, that would be awesome. Father in heaven, there is nothing I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. To spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds. Who, withstanding the delusion of riches that chokes the word, whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the systems of the world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. It is the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to all the world. Amen. We as Gallery Church in Baltimore are looking to learn the ways to put into practice the disciplines to develop habitus in our lives. What did the believers do that witnessed the ascension of Jesus? What did the believers do in the first 300 years of following after Jesus? They had the confidence to proclaim Jesus as Lord Today we will learn how to interpret our groaning and bring hope into the pain of our groans. What can we learn from them that will help us to live in faith, hope, and love in our generation? We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The Apostle Paul to the church in Rome.
0: All right. Well, welcome church family Uh, here and online. I guess I am getting used to cameras now. Uh, How many of you are used to staring at your computer for a disproportionate amount of time every day? Um, I will ask if those of you that are watching online are having a hard time hearing me put it in the chat as we are trying to do this better. Um, but let me start with the scripture reading for today, and then I'm going to get distracted for a moment, and then I'm going to teach, and then hopefully we won't get too distracted. Is that okay? All right. So here, Romans 8, Romans eight, twenty-two through 25. We've just sung three songs about these passages. I hope that you will begin to hear how these songs that we just sung and some of the words that the worship team attempted to get us to focus on are actually coming from the encouragement Paul is sharing here with the church in Rome. So in Romans eight twenty two through twenty five, and I actually came up here without my readers. So just pardon me for a second. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm, yeah I'm gonna need those on. I'm sorry. I am the pan, the pandemic has taken my re, my eyesight. Uh, Pre pandemic, this is what I look like. Post pandemic, this is what I now. Look like. All right. So back to the scriptures that are now fully illuminated for me. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste or some translations use the word first fruits of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we do not need to hope for it. For if we are looking forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. All right, so let me let me start with a couple of things. This summer is going to be important for us as a church family. We have to develop a new appreciation, a new sense of discipline to begin to do this again. Uh, we are just now getting to the point where some of us online and even in person are comfortable enough to step in environments like this. There's so much that we are working through. Some of us um, before the pandemic beat me here to church. You were here well before I got here. And now we're saying, Oh, we got to get back up early on Sunday mornings and serve. So we are going to hopefully use the whole summer to, Practice a lot of things because our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our souls need it. And so after I get done teaching today, we will have set a foundation between what Aida shared three weeks ago and then these two teachings about what we're going to be putting into practice for the whole rest of the summer. Like, why are we doing this? Like, is it just to awaken us from the pandemic? No, it's because we've been given a new heart. We talked about it last week, a new heart in Jesus Christ. And if we don't work with the Spirit on that new heart, that new heart won't take. And the—and when our tree is shook from the stresses of pandemics, from the stresses of family, from the um, loss of employment, from cancer, when those things come, the fruits that fall from our tree are not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruits of our old heart the old life, the, the fruits of anger and rage and slander and jealousy and selfishness of all kinds. But if we learn how to take care of this wonderful gift, which is a heart that God wants for us to have, that was intended for us to have, and we work with God's spirit, we can in many ways begin to see when we're shook with the pains of life, gentleness, kindness, love, self-giving, like sacrificial living, generosity, humility, those things come out of us. And so I'm going to make a, a little advertising plug for us right now. We are going to be suggesting, it's not mandatory reading for membership, right? Um, we are going to suggest two books for summer reading. So let me start with you that don't like for us ever to suggest books to you this one has pictures. Okay. All right. So, so for those of you that are like, I just don't have time. I'm in studies. I've got pages and pages and pages to read. Can I give you hope that this book chapters are only two pages? All right. There's only like two pages for each chapter. And I could literally read this to you right now in under 60 seconds. Um, But we might not retain it, but I could do it. And so I wanted to pick something that would go along with what we're doing. But no matter where we are as readers, even if you may not even feel comfortable reading in English, we can very much understand the artistic drawings. Some of you are very picture-driven. There's wonderful art uh, that Sky did in this book. And this entire book walks us through the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be spending a lot of time in the Sermon on the Mount this summer, and I would encourage you guys. So it will be on social media this week. If you cannot afford a copy of it, please let us know. I believe majority of us in here can, but if you can't, we want to help you. The other one is some of you remember my friend Terrence Lester from Atlanta, who started Love Beyond Walls. He's been up a few times. He's been advocating for ways that people in poverty should be given dignity um, and that they have names and stories. Well, his second book has come out entitled when we stand. This is a fantastic book. Um, let me just give you a little taste. Okay. Can I do that? A little taste. This isn't counting in my sermon minute. So if you're already logging my sermon, this doesn't count. All right. So one of the most famous Martin Luther King Jr. speeches or sermons was on a Christmas Sunday. And in that Christmas Sunday, one of his opening illustrations was to the audience, something along the lines, and I'm butchering it. I would never be able to do it word for word like Dr. King. But the premise of his illustration was when you got up this morning, you used soap from France, you used a sponge from an island, you drank coffee in a cup from China, and you drank coffee from somewhere in Central America. By the time breakfast was over, you had already experienced several continents around the world. And his point was, is that we can't view ourselves as self-sustaining. We need each other. We do, we don't live a day without each other. So why does the church, why does humanity act like we don't need each other or somebody is better than somebody else when in all actuality we are designed to stand together? And so... I would encourage us because we as a church are constantly being asked, how can we engage in the justice issues in our particular nation, in our particular city right now? And I believe no matter what level of historic understanding you may have, where you are in understanding justice, I think my friend Terrence will love you and you will feel loved, and you will not feel talked down to or less than anybody else. And I do believe this book is in Portuguese. I'm just so glad somebody's sitting in this section this Sunday. Last Sunday, I would occasionally glance over here, and I'd be like, oh, there's nobody. Um, all right, so the two books for this summer, What If Jesus Was Serious and When We Stand, and these will be out for you. And um, because we're going to, We're going to, you'll be hearing some things next Sunday from Pastor Bill on the Sermon on the Mount that I'm super excited about. June 27th is our Covenant Family meeting. When I say Covenant Family, it is everybody from our Patterson family, our downtown family. We are going to gather here. If it's nice, we hope to be outside. If not, we will probably take over one of the larger floors in this space to try to have a meeting together. We are desiring to help everybody understand who we are as a church, how we function, where we are financially, so that we can use the rest of the summer, like I said, to get ready. Because in September, the city needs the gallery church. Functioning at whatever our fullest capacity is. So whatever whoever we bump into, you and I are not spiritually starving from a hard year. We've begun to fill our souls so we had something to offer the people that are along our way. And so June 27th through through Labor Day, it is our desire to fill our cup. And what bumps out of our cup is of God's spirit, not filling our cup with things that we just really like, but filling our cup with something that we can offer the people around us. So June 27th, 5 o'clock, Covenant Family Meeting. I want all of you there, even if you're considering not being a member anymore or you are thinking about being a member of our church we call it covenant family we want you to be there to hear this so that we know the commitment that we're making to each other and to be able to get some more accurate financial reporting for you because we are struggling coming out of the pandemic financially we still have this building because the owner cut our rent by over 50% and so we can grow so that uh, which is a wonderful gift to us but there are a lot of things right now that are like okay lord we're we're walking faithfully But we do need to continue to be generous. All right, so did I say welcome? I think I did. If I didn't, um, I say welcome to you. Last week, last week, we were talking about the heart. And in talking about the heart that Jesus gave us and the Holy Spirit is implanting into us, we shared that there are two key things that we need to have in order for that heart to work. A brokenness in our spirit, and we talked about the tax collector's prayer God, forgive me a sinner. Who am I that you've forgiven me, right? This brokenness and the humility, the bowing, the posture. God, you are worthy. You are awesome. There is nothing that I can do that really gives me the right to stand in front of you. There's this brokenness and this humility. It isn't this, this, God loves me so much. I'm going to get to spend eternity in heaven. Thank you, God. Fist bump you. You're great. Even though God wants to be that personal with us, there is a holiness and an awesomeness and a wonder to God's love and the way that He's loved us. And even as Aida shared two weeks ago now, she talked about the fact that Jesus is our Lord. That means he has the right to our life. He can tell us to do anything. And the answer is yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. There's a bowed posture. It isn't like, well, let me think about it. Like let me see if it fits into my schedule. Let me see if you're worthy to tell me what to do. He is Lord period. He's king. We don't live in a type of ruling system with monarchies and dictators and things like that. We live in a very opinionated political system, do we not? Everybody has a voice. And if you don't know that, just sign up for a social media platform. Everybody has a voice every political party thinks that they are the right party. There is not one person telling anybody what to do around here. And that gets involved in the way that we do the church. And let me just tell you, that is not the government of God's kingdom. It is his way, period. It's his way. And if we're not doing it his way, we're doing it against his way. And then that's not pleasing to the one that has loved us so much. So we're trying to use the whole summer to help us to see what God really is like and what, in this new life that we're bringing into the world, what it is really like. And so today I've entitled this teaching, Groaning and Hoping. So let me pray. Father, I've shared a lot about books and Sermon on the Mounts and family meetings and finances, but Lord, we need to hear your voice right now, clearly. Father, we are out of the practice of being together and there are many distractions. So we just release those to you and we just say, Lord, you are worthy of all of our attention and you are worthy of us giving you this time right now. Speak to us, Lord, help us to hear and then have the courage to obey in Jesus name. Amen. Groaning is a word that I believe we're all familiar with. And for those of you that are volunteers at the Gallery Church, can I get an amen on the fact that we were groaning this morning? We did not have internet, and we still don't have internet, I don't believe, at any of our churches this morning. And so everything that we are doing for our online audience is on somebody's cell phone hotspot. Patterson's doing the same thing. My phone was blowing up from both churches. Volunteers were like, did we pay the bill? I'm like, I'm not sure, but I th- I believe so, but there's no Comcast here. And if you're Comcast watching, all right, <laughs> uh, answer your phones on Sundays. So, um, when this morning there was a lot of groaning, like things were not going the way we wanted them to go. And we're still short on volunteers, so there's people here trying to do things that usually two people would do. And now we're asking one person to do them. And and then, and then it was just a morning. And can I get an amen about just it being a morning? How many of us just groan every morning? Like, it doesn't matter whether it's Sunday, it doesn't mean if it's Saturday. I think that there's certain days that we groan more than others. Like, I groan more on a Sunday night because I know the week is starting over again than I do on a Friday night. But I also groan a lot on Monday morning because I know that there's a lot that's going to need to be done. And so we groan just naturally in the morning and my groanings usually start to cease on in the morning after I've had a French press and some time with Jesus. That's usually when I start to settle down. Some of you, you're, you don't mind the morning. You, you pop up first thing and there's not a groan. But you groan when you go out the door to work and the whole way to work. You're just like, I can't believe I got to go to this job. Others of us groan when we open the mail. Can I get an amen to that? And it's not just the bills we're expecting. It's the unexpected bills that show up that cause an increased amount of groaning in our spirit especially when it's there's like a red letter across it and we realize that baltimore city was late in delivering our mail and we're now getting a notice from the people we're sending our mail to but yet our postal service is slow in getting it there so we groan about the postal service we groan about having to pay bills i groan over how much taxes i pay living in the city and then i'm like nobody wants to live in a city paying these kind of taxes am i being authentic I mean, there's a groan that we are experiencing. And then we're groaning because of the injustice we're seeing. My heart groaned at 6 a.m. this morning when I turned on the news and saw that there were like three more mass shootings across our country just yesterday alone. I was groaning like that's got to stop. I was groaning when I continue to watch as the G7 summit is happening and the conversations between the nations that are going out. And my heart is growing because the relationship between people isn't what it's supposed to be. I was groaning because I'm seeing that rainforests are being torn down because they're trying to lessen the lumber bills that we're having to pay. And so people are sacrificing green spaces in order for us to be able to build. And my heart's like, wait a minute, there's got to be some better balance. I'm groaning over that when do we take advantage of the earth and when are we actually participating with it and we're groaning in those moments and there's so many ways in which you and i groan many of you are groaning because we just came through the pandemic and you have never experienced loneliness like this before You would have never said that you have a tendency towards depression before a pandemic. You would have never felt isolated before a pandemic. And after this past year, because of the burden of having to have an online life, social life, you and I are experiencing things emotionally and it's causing us to groan that we would have never thought we were would have ever groaned about before. It's revealed so much to us. Some of you are groaning because you don't feel like your life has purpose. There are so many ways that we're groaning. So my question to us this morning is, are any of you groaning today? Are any of you groaning? What is that? Have you identified it? Could you call it out? We, according to Romans 8, groaning is a natural reaction for all human beings and the created world The groaning, I believe what Paul is saying here, is pointing to something deeper than ourselves. The groaning that we feel is a reminder of the future that we long for in God. I believe we actually might have that on a slide for you to be able to let that process. We might not. Yes, we do. The groanings that we feel are a reminder of the future that we long for in God. There's another way that we could say this. Our groanings are our desires for things to be made right. How many of you have a broken relationship with a relative right now? And you can't hardly go a day at work without being distracted of the fact that you're groaning because that relationship isn't what it's supposed to be. We know what relationships are supposed to be like. And when they're not, we groan because of it. And to make things right in our soul and in our relationship and in our world, it takes a lot of effort and it takes reconciliation and forgiveness. There's a lot of parts. And so we groan like, why can't it be easier? Why isn't the staple easy button? Which I don't even know if staples survived the pandemic. You know, they might be hitting that easy button a lot right now themselves, right? But we don't, we, there's just nothing In our life, that is super easy. It all takes so much effort and labor. And so therefore, we groan. And this is what I believe we're seeing in Romans chapter 8. A groan, by definition, is a deep, inarticulate sound conveying pain and despair. So we've had that this past year. You and I know what that feels like coming through the pandemic. We know what that feels like in sickness. I'm walking through that right now with my mom through cancer. I know what the calling out of sickness feels like. And many of us do as well. And Paul is noting that that groaning is taking place all around us. There's not just one place or one person in one continent in one situation where it's groaning. He's saying that the entire earth is groaning and we see this impact in so many places. We saw this in the news when children couldn't drink water in Detroit. We groaned like, why can't people drink water? Why are children sick in places around the world and, and their water is contaminated? That makes us upset. People should be able to drink water. We groan when we see war, whether war of words, war of missiles, like what we saw um, between um, a, a, a people in the Middle East, between the Palestinians and the Israelis, which, mind you, they're family. They're, they're, we're grieving over missiles and bombs and, and, and fighting, we, we we hate when we see that. We, we hate when we see it in our city when gangs go to war and a child is caught in the crossfire. We grieve when we see Im- businesses in the city go to war with each other and hostile takeovers take place and people lose their livelihood. We groan. We groan when we see the row homes that are boarded up in our city and the poverty that remains. And throughout our groaning, I want you guys to understand, all of creation is crying out. For help. When we see forest fires, when you see a hurricane, when you see uh, an earthquake, when you see other natural disasters, or like my daughter in Colorado now is sending me pictures every time they get a hailstorm. And, and my first response is, did you get to park in the garage? You know, it's like, so there's so many things that are happening around the world right now that it's a grown It's desiring for something to be made right because it's broken and it needs to be made right. Romans 8 reminded me of the story in Exodus 2. In the same verses, 23 through 25, the Israelites were groaning. The Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. I mean, is that not a burden? Over 300 years, fathers passed on to their sons and moms passed on to their daughters slavery jobs. For generation, my granddad was a slave. My great-granddad was a slave. My great-great-granddad was a slave. For generations, they had the weight of slavery on them. And it says that they cried out for help And their cry rose up to God. And listen to verse 24, probably the most powerful four words you might hear in all of the Old Testament. God heard their groaning. Church, can I tell you? God hears our morning, afternoon, and evening groans. He hears our groans over creation and politics and justice and neighbors and roof leaks and all the things that we might face when we go to the coffee pot and there's no coffee left in the house and you have to then leave the house to have your morning coffee. God hears that groan. He knows it. He cares about the little things. He cares about sparrows and cicadas. And he cares about the way that the world is going. And it says that God remembered his covenant. And let me just tell you this. We have a God that doesn't need to be reminded of what he's promised. That's not the God we serve. And I think we get a picture out of the narrative of the Old Testament that our prayers are a reminder to God. And that is not the case. God are groaning even after israel was god heard the groan after he got them through the wilderness and he got them through the promised land they groaned they groaned in the wilderness they groaned in their promised land they groaned when they were kicked out of their promised land they groaned to go back to the land they were groaning for every little thing and then jesus came and in jesus christ god is saying it stops something new is coming There's a new creation at work in the world today. He has forgiven us our sins. He has conquered death. And here's the promise that I believe Paul is talking to the church in Rome about here in Romans 8. One day, God is going to finish the work and make all things new. So guys, let me just let all of you hear this today as the best we possibly can. It will one day be fully finished that is the hope that we have we have seen god faithful in many promises so we already have our feet firmly rooted on a god that answers promises and if he said he's going to firmly finish it it's going to be new it's going to be new and paul wants them to know that all of creation is groaning in the waiting for things to be made new so my question is is what is the earth waiting for that's the question in Romans 8. What is the church waiting for? And this is what I believe is happening. Paul does not say that the creation is waiting for God. So stay with me. I have a point to make. It doesn't say that, that, that the earth, the groaning. When, and when I say earth, I'm not just talking about trees and plants and dirt and water and a core. When the, when the word earth is used in scripture, it's everything on the blue globe. If you're out looking at earth, it would be everything that you see groaning. Like, that's it. So Paul says that creation is waiting for the children of God. Listen to this, verses 18 and 19. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly, and that's a great adjective, for that future day when God will reveal... Who Yeah, Adverb. sorry. Um, thank you, hon. I appreciate that. Thanks. I, Cause there's a lot of people that are gonna, gonna be like, whoa, he's an idiot. Um, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Are they waiting for God to make things new? No. They're waiting for the revelation of who God's real children are. So here, creation is waiting for the children of God to be revealed. So here's my, one of my major points. You could forget everything else I say. I really want this to be what the Holy Spirit convicts us of today. One of the most significant problems in our faith, faith is us asking God to do things that he's asked us to do. The majority of our prayers as believers are resignation prayers. We even use the Lord's prayer as a a resignation from our responsibilities. Many of our prayers go like this. Lord, there is nothing we can do, so you better do it. Our prayers shouldn't be resignation prayers. They should be participation prayers. Lord, there is so much that we can do, but only in your power. My prayer 15 years ago was this, and I've given a personal example. Bring diverse people together. But I realized that my prayer needed to be, Lord, help me bring diverse people together. I can't just say, God, bring the church together. No, God, I'm participating. Help me. My prayer used to be, Lord, end poverty. Now, I wasn't a pageant winner. Okay. Sorry. Uh, how many prayers is the Lord? How Lord are my prayers? Help me to end poverty in the lives of the people around me. Like don't just ask God to end a situation, ask him to help you end it. And here's one that's powerful. This is one that I wept over for years, in our prayer weeks, in times like this. But if I interpret what Jesus said through the power of the Holy Spirit, what He was saying the Holy Spirit was going to do, and what New Testament writers were going to do, we're going to spend a whole week on this this summer. I need to stop saying, God, heal the sick. I need to say, God, help me to heal the sick. Because His Holy Spirit gives us the power to heal. We, many times, will show up in somebody's home and the only thing we can do is like, wow, this is, a big, this is a God-sized task. But God's like, but I put you there. You bring healing. You bring the hope that you have. How would you respond to your children for the few parents we have here today? Or I'm asking those of you that are children to remember the day that you actually said something like this to your parents. How did it go for you? But when your parents said to you, uh, hey, I need you to pick up the trash around you. And you responded, no, you pick up the trash. How did that go? <laughs> for those of you that are in employee situations where maybe people report to you, how does it go for you when you ask somebody to complete a project? And they're like, wow, that project's too hard. How about you finish it? <laughs> we do this in the church all the time. God, you got it. He's like, no, I asked you to parent your children. No, no, God, you got it. You got my kids. Um, God, no, no, you know, th- those neighbors, man, they're tough. You got my neighbors. Like, help them to see you But I put you there. Well, turn out my light and turn somebody else's light on, right? The earth is groaning for the revelation of the children of God. So I ask my question again, why? Why does the earth groan for the revelation of the children of God? Because according to Paul, his point is, is because our very presence is a signal that help is on the way. It's like when, when we moved here, we had a, a friend named Brian that was playing with our children in Patterson Park. And he was wearing a baseball cap. And if you've ever worn a baseball cap, you also realize that it blocks your vision upward. And so he was running around the playground in the park chasing kids like you would chasing a child. And he failed to see that the walkway between playgrounds was coming and it hit him right here and it peeled the skin back on his head about four inches, revealing his skull. But let me just tell you this, when those ambulance lights were coming, it was like, praise God, help is on the way. Somebody that can make This right is coming. Guys, can I just ask you, when the church shows up in politics, is the response, help is on the way? When the church shows up to a community, is the response, help is on the way? When people find out that you're a Christian and you show up, is their response, great, help is on the way. I'm going to say no. Too many people don't even go to church because of the testimony of the church. When the church shows up, it's like, oh no, those Christians are here. That's generally the response we get because people don't taste Christ in our actions and in our words, in the ways that we are with the people that God has asked us to. The reputation of our church, the reputation of me as an individual should be, yes, they are here Help has arrived. Hope and health is at the door. When you and I walk into our homes, our spouses, our roommates, our neighbors should be like, great, help just walked in. When we go to a school, people should say, great, Help just got here. When you and I show up at a, a walking the park into the neighborhood or whatever, a community meeting, an HOA meeting, a meeting with local police about issues in our community, people should be like, great, help has just arrived. When you and I show up at church and we greet one another in this room, it should be fantastic. Help has arrived. Our hope has arrived. Rather than us being scared to talk to each other, we should be energizing one another. The world has a comfort that comes when you and I show up. It should be that way because you and I are pointing to the one that is making things new. Paul turns the groaning for a minute to something else. Let me just spend a minute here in verse 23. He says, When we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste or the first fruits of the future glory, we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. So we groan individually. We've acknowledged that. The earth is groaning. And although we groan the children of God, you and I, we are the first fruits, we are the foretaste of the promise that's coming. So from a biblical standpoint, the people in Rome that would have understand the Jewish story, they would have heard first fruits as, wait a minute, when we have a harvest, the first harvest goes to God as an act of graciousness and thankfulness and gratitude. And so in the Old Testament, it was, we offer our first fruits to God because he's worthy because we know there's more of a harvest coming. There's more plenty coming. And so we're taking the first fruits as a symbol that There's more coming. But in the New Testament, God says, let me flip it. I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit as the first fruits of the new life that is coming. And you will be my first fruits. You will be my first fruits to the world around us. We are the first harvest We are proof that there's more coming, that there's new life coming. There's more to arrive. And that is what Paul is trying to get this early church to believe. And I believe it's where you and I are. But let me say, church, we got to understand that just because we have the first fruits and we are to be the first fruits and when people experience us, they should be experienced the first fruits of God's love and renewal. That should be their experience. Like, wow, that's new it should be different. We still groan, but many of us have the posture that because I believe in Jesus, I should never groan anymore. That is true. One day we will no longer groan, but now we groan and we continue to groan. And let me just say, don't be discouraged that your groaning hasn't been replaced with joy or happiness all the time. Because what we find out here is that Paul is saying that we still groan, but in God's new way, in God's first fruit, we groan in joy because we know that we've seen enough, but we know that there's more coming. And so we find joy and happiness in the groaning. Why? Because you and I know how the story is going. And here, as we sang this, as we sung songs this morning, we know the song. But here's the problem the church has stopped singing the song personal illustration. My family groans when I sing there. My wife is the strongest laughter. If anybody online is hearing a voice, that is my wife because it is not just that I can't hit a note. That's not the worst of it. The worst of it is the fact that I mess up the lyrics It could be a worship song that we've sung a thousand times at church, and somehow I still mess up up the lyrics. It's Christmas carols. I mess up the lyrics. It's children's songs. I mess up the lyrics. I don't know what it is, but something in the way my mind works is I can't find a tune. I can't be in rhythm, and I can't know the lyrics unless there is somebody helping me in all three of those areas simultaneously, and they have to be perfect at it. Because I am beyond help when it comes to singing. But we, as the children of God, know the song. We know the song. We are to sing the song. It is supposed to be. We have the heart of God. We have the Holy Spirit of God. We know how things are supposed to be. We know how the family is supposed to be in peace. We know how a neighborhood is supposed to be in peace. We know how a city and a nation and nations together and us and creation and trees and water systems are supposed to be in peace because we have met the Prince of Peace. And He has told us what peace looks like. And He has shown us what peace looks like and he's looking for his church to be that first fruits offering of the revelation that there are people that know what it looks like to live in that peace christians should be the most sensitive and aware people in all the world when you and i go out of this room we should see all of the brokenness and we should groan we should be the most aware of where people aren't alive anew in jesus christ Paul says, and let me end here, we groan not like the world because we groan with hope, knowing that help is on the way. Like we have the confidence that help is coming. So we groan, but we don't groan out of desperation and despair like it's never going to get any better. And let me just give you one example. When Paul was talking to the church in Rome, women had no rights to education, no rights to authority. They couldn't speak up in their home. They were basically the head servant in their house. And because Jesus came into the world, I believe women in the world have more freedoms today than they ever would have had if Jesus not have come. Jesus broke a pattern of brokenness and sin in humanity. And that is one of the best things that you can see. Now, it has taken us as children of God 2,000 years to begin to make headway. And there are nations that we still need to get involved in so that things can be improved in those areas. But God is doing something new in Jesus Christ. And there are plenty of places we can look around to prove it. But you and I know the way it ought to be. And therefore, we ought to groan with hope. So this should be good news for us. This should be something that would excite us to say, I need to get back involved on a weekly basis in my church family. Next week, we're actually going to be talking about why is it so important for us to gather together regularly Why do I have to use my calendar as a framework to help me gather regularly with other people? And then in two weeks, we're actually going to go back and do something that we do with our children every week. But as adults, we're like, oh, that's a child activity. Can you guess what it is? Memorizing scripture. We have Bible verses for our kids and our adult workers expect to have a Bible verse for kids to memorize, but don't ask adults to memorize anything. When have we gotten better? Well, you memorize stuff all the time for work. Let's be honest. You wouldn't have the degrees you had if or you have if you hadn't learned to remember. So that's just a little forecast. But our hearts, we grown our life in the first fruits of God. We have a hope because we know that Christ is coming. So this summer we need to guard our heart. We need to give God our mind. We need to give him our strength. And when we do that, can I just say something to you guys as a church? This is something that when we moved here, began to find conviction in my life. I grew up under the instruction that God came first, family came second, and work came third. But I was challenged on that. And this might be new to some of you, and this might be the last time you ever come to church because I say this. But I believe it's God's family first. Because if God's my father and God's your father, that makes us brothers and sisters. And who in a family wants to be in a family where only the dad is loved? So why would I say, God, you're the father and I'm going to put you above all of my siblings when God's like, I want you to care about your siblings. So I believe that the family of God is the most important thing in our life. Everything else then falls in line after that. And as a church, I believe this summer we're going to begin to experience what it looks like for me to love you, my brother and sister, as I love my father. And and you will experience the father's love through me, and I'll experience it through you. And we'll put in practices that guard our hearts. And then the testimony of the gallery church is help has arrived. Let's pray. Father... I ask that you would just only let stay in our soul what you desire to be there. So my my prayer right now, I want my family to join with me in this. What is causing your groaning? Please hold that up to the Holy Spirit right now. What is causing your groaning? What is the Holy Spirit revealing to you about what's groaning in your heart right now? What does the Holy Spirit say to you when I ask this question? When you, when we show up, how do people respond? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? How do people respond when you or I show up? And when I make this statement, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? You are the first fruits of God's love. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? You are the first fruits of God's love. Do you believe it? Do you want the world to see you as the first fruit of His love? Father, thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the Holy Spirit as your down payment for your future promise to be fully fulfilled. Father, we are that down payment in the world. We are the first fruit of that. Father, let that not discourage us or overcome us with fear or any type of overwhelming feeling, but may that excite us knowing that you would have never made us the first fruit if you weren't going to help us be it and be it beautifully and sweet and kind and generous and loving and strong in this world today. Father, help us to become alive again as a church through this pandemic. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's take this time right now. Um, I've said this before when we've come to the table, but this, this this is a picture of you and I being the first fruits because we're looking at when the first fruit was offered to us and how that first fruit sowed its first crop and now it's being offered a newness to the world. There's been so many ways that we've talked about this, but I also feel like us as an audience are in different chapters of the Bible as it relates to this. I think some of us are sitting with the disciples in the first setting and when Jesus was going through this practice, they really didn't understand it. They did not realize that Jesus was going to actually die. They didn't realize that his blood was actually going to be poured out. They were sitting here probably leaning into each other like, wow, that is a crazy analogy, guys. Like, how is he going to pull this off? Like, you know, I don't really think that first Lord's table that they know what you and I know. But by the time Paul was talking to the church in Corinth, it had become abused. So just in a few short decades, they were coming together around meals and people were like, no, this is mine. I don't care what you have. Like there was, they were leaving people out of the meals. Widows weren't getting their share. There was so much that was happening that Paul just told the church in Corinth. Let's remember the first time. When we come to this cup, this is a reminder that his body was broken for us. And then he goes into a chapter on love where he's like, look, this is what love looks like when you're giving it to other people. And is it not like a body being broken and love being poured out for other people? And so we do this in remembrance of what Jesus did for our salvation and our freedom from slavery to our sin. But this is also the cup that you and I now carry. That's why I said, and I'm going to say this again. I'm going to drop the I'm going to drop the Pentecost part, but we're going to say it all summer long. But at Pentecost, I introduced a trend of thought to us as a church, and I want us to adapt this as a trend of thought. When you are when you don't know who Jesus is, I just want you to immerse yourselves in. To what Jesus taught. You have to know what Jesus taught, and then I want you to consider the cost of living that life and then believe. Don't just come to Him for some eternal security. He wants you to carry a cup, He wants your life, He wants to be your Lord. And once you and I know what he's taught and we've measured it and we've considered it and we give ourselves to it, then the fourth thing that we do is we just pour into the family of God. There's no need. There should be no reason for needs amongst us. There should be no reason why we don't joyfully share our resources with each other. And therefore, we can help other people because we have a father that has lavished his love on us since so that's what this cup is. And so right now, let's take the wafer from the bottom of the cup. And if you're online, I don't care what resources you have around you, we would love for you to join in with us. And right now, church family, I'd love for you to hold this up to each other. And, and you need to be reminded and you need to help others be reminded that this was His body broken for you. Let's say that to one another. This is His body broken for you. And let's do this in remembrance of Him. And then take the cup, the juice. When Jesus held this up to his disciples, he says, this is the cup of my blood that shed for the forgiveness of sins. But let's just remind each other that our sins have been forgiven. Let's do that right now. This is, the sins have been forgiven. And let's do this in the, after Christ. And then we proclaim the mystery of our faith in three simple phrases, okay, on the count of three, one, two, three, Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. So before our benediction, for those of you online and those of you here, before we do our benediction, I want to remind you, June 27th, an important date, two what I believe are very important summer reads for us. Um, if you follow us online, you saw a video that Andre put together. We're going to be ho- hosting some special growth community um, sessions um, where even growth communities, if they want to, they can reserve an entire session for their growth community. My wife and I have opened up our rooftop for several dates throughout the summer and July, where we just want to have people um, that feel comfortable being in person, that are ready to just reconnect with one another. So I've, I don't I gave you like 10, 12 dates in July that we're just going to open up our rooftop. And if it's raining, we'll figure something out. But the desire is, is that we get 15 people together at a time and we're going to re- do reservations. And if you want to sign up for one or five, you can do that. Uh, we just want to reconnect with you and you can invite your friends, your neighbors, and we will be happy to begin to get back into the pattern of meeting together. So here's our benediction. As we go from here today, may we remember that we are the first fruits. We are the ones that announce help is on the way. And may that be true in us this week. And may God's grace and peace be with you. Also with you. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. And if you brought an offering, you can leave it. If not, you can do it online. Thank you guys.